Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, it is with all respect and honor that I welcome our guests because they have trusted us in order to come and give to us the information and their journey, the wisdom that they gain from that and all of what the things they have created. And so I truly accept this wonderful meeting with all of my heart and respect. And thank you, Lacey, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Share with us your journey. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. How are you, kid? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Pleasure Tell the people well. all the beautiful well. things that you have created because I know you have a ton of stuff out there, girl. Tell them about all of it. I have a lot of things, for sure. Um, <laughs> so my name is Lacey C. Clark, and I... I say my I say my mission is about self love for women and girls, and I've done that on so many different platforms in so many different ways. And so, uh, currently, I have a solo play that I've toured around the world as mm-hmm. as well as in Thailand uh, called Phenomenal Everywhere, and I also have a university called Phenomenally You, which is basically a, a home study course for college bound girls in terms of them learning how to value and love themselves as they transition from high school to college. Yes. Um, but I'm an author of three books, um, you know, done seminars and summits and workshops, all with the mission of self-love and empowerment, personal empowerment and responsibility. And so that's been my journey for the last 20 years <laughs> is really kind of supporting people on, on that path. Excellent. I love when people um, talk about, I, I, I explain it this way, finding you within the you. Where you, uh, once you are starting your journey and when love you it, find it. who you are within your journey, yes, that, yes. that's where you began to, um, uh, proceed and, uh, uh, do your quote unquote work, which is not work really because it's you. And so mm-hmm. it is the energy that is you that you are able to put into a format by which now you can uh, uh, educate, you can teach people a, uh, from your journey. So, uh, mm-hmm. Lacey, walk me back now. You, you're you born in in this beautiful hospital. Mom and dad kiss you. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. They brought you home, put you in the crib, and life begins. Talk to me about your home life as to how that dynamics was between you, your parents, sibling, and uh, other family members. So I was first born. So I was the first <laughs> child. And so I had a, a brother that came after me four years later. I was born to a married couple, uh, mm-hmm. mother and father. And 
you know, there was love. I definitely remember it's so funny because in the middle of my show, I talk about this. I remember scenes of love. Yeah. Um, you know, slow dancing in the living room. Nice. Um, you know, us having family time. Um, my dad being home, um, you know, and my mom going to work and then my dad working and then my mom home. Like I just remember, um, this cocoon of love mm-hmm. at, from one to four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my brother came <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, he was a new addition because we was just me, my mom, my dad, and my dog. Yeah. And then my brother came as a different, you know, dynamic. So I went through all the changes of a young child, like accepting another baby in the house mm-hmm. <laughs> that needed the attention. So that was yeah. like, oh, interesting. So, and then, you know, th- there's a long journey after that, but, um, I moved from the suburb kind of vibe to the inner city of North Philadelphia mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Um, and that was an interesting shift because now you're dealing with and and interesting enough, I grew up in the crack epidemic in, mm. in the United States. So I go from the suburbs um and then into the city and into this really, really big house uh, in the city. And Growing up in the inner city and all the things that I learned about me as a woman, a girl, mm-hmm. me as a girl, me as a black girl, mm-hmm. uh, me as a, um, a, I didn't really understand the concept of inner city at the time because that was just my home, yeah. you know. Um, but I think what's so interesting about that dynamic is that obviously that's what kind of uh, made me the person that I am today in terms of things that I've created because mm-hmm. I would see, I, I recognize how. Um, there were limitations and boxes put on the inner city mm. and what they expect of young people, specifically young girls and, and boys, um, and what they're supposed to be as black people in America. Um, and so, and I would see this kind of reinforced in media. Media was a major thing because media was so powerful. It still is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Media uh, was so powerful for young people because that's kind of like when we got our, our cultural cues, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our cues of, of fashion, our cues of what was hip and what was cool and what was, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the, the in crowd and all that stuff. So I, I had an eye on how this was affecting my community and I didn't really like it a lot because mm-hmm. I knew that specifically in the crack epidemic, you talk about, um, you know, uh, murder and territory and drugs on the, you know, on the street. And you're talking about crack vials on the, in the middle of the, uh, on the sidewalks. Um, you're talking about, so there's so many different, um, uh, dynamics that the epidemic did, um, one, but then also how media played into that. Mm-hmm. And then the behaviors of my peers based yeah. on all of that. And I wanted to actually create something different mm-hmm. <laughs> because I saw that I just saw how it was this tremendously influence, influencive in terms of how, you know, people were affected by what they were consuming, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward. I go to school for media. So I actually go to school for, I go to New York University for film and television mm-hmm. because I know I wanted to make an impact with this media thing because I just saw how people, just followers, you know what I mean? Big mm-hmm. Eddie Kane would do something. Everybody wanted to look and do like Big Eddie Kane and, yeah. you know, Kwame, everybody wanted to do that, you know what I mean? So I go to school for media wanting to make an impact. I wanted to like get in that space. How do I like get in that space to start being influenced um, to, to also have the same influence. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that there were so many politics mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, red tape yeah. and, and stuff around wanting to make an impact specifically for the black community. I didn't know there were so many strategic things uh, put out um, 
via media that influenced the black community. Like, so all of that stuff was awareness and awakening as I became more mature. But because I got out of school still with the same passion, still with the same burning desire to make an impact, I didn't have the tools then to do it via media. So I actually created a company called Sister Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And Sister Sanctuary was really a place, literally a sanctuary vibe, energy, essence, where it provided women, black women, intergenerational black women, a space to actually find their humanity in an insane world, specifically of uh, black women um, and the media messages that are constantly given to us. And so um, even though I wasn't able to do it from a media perspective when I got out of school, I was still able to make an impact with the women in my community by saying there is more. There's a world beyond what they give you. There's a box that you can bust out of and there's healing that can be done and there's wellness that we can embrace. Wow. Now you did this, you started this program when you came out of college. Yes. Let me ask you a question. How did that change? Because you came from the survey, you went into the city. How did that change? I, I hear you talk about some of it, but how did that change affected the little girl? Lacey's mentality. Um, uh, you, again, you're alluding to some of it where you, you're talking about you noticed something. How did that change uh, cause you to think as a little girl? And how did it affect your life as a young? How did what change cause me to think as a little girl? What change did you make? The move from, from when your family moved and you began to be exposed oh, we'll into that. Okay. Yeah. How did how did that impact this little girl when uh, you moved, you made that move? Because I, the reason why I'm asking, because my family did something like that, but we moved from country, one country uh, to the other. And when I came from British Guiana to, to America, that move was impactful. I had to make some adjustment that was actually uh, scary in a way because totally different culture, different mindset, and it, it caused me to behave a certain way. So that's why I was reading back to ask. Yeah, well, I mean, you can look at the movement from a suburb to the inner city as like another country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're talking about now I was around, at first I was born around, I was hanging around all white folks, basically mm-hmm. it was a white environment, and then I went to an all black environment. Mm-hmm. And I was around four or five at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's a total different world. Yeah. Total different world. Um, I didn't, I just remembered I remember the 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 change in people. I mean, it's all white to mm-hmm. all black, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then what that meant for me was again just trying to find my way. Yeah. Um, I don't. I recall the question was how do I? The question was how do I? How did that affect the girl? How did it affect me as a girl yeah. as I did that transition? Is that the question? Yeah. So, I mean, it just was a, it was a shift. It was a yeah. shift that I, it, but to me, the effects didn't come until later on. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have an effect, the immediate, there wasn't an immediate that I could pinpoint immediate, like when it happened the day of or the week mm-hmm. of, yeah. it was because I was young, but yeah. when I was evolving in my new atmosphere, mm-hmm. I definitely recognized the difference. Yeah. And now it was about what is my new atmosphere offering or what mm-hmm. is it about and so as i evolved and grew in my new atmosphere i had to learn how to uh survive or be uh, a, con- a be a member of that community yeah. or be a member of that uh, experience and so i would say as a black girl growing up in the inner city there were a lot of different things that 
affected me. So, so one, I def, one thing that I definitely remember being in elementary school was this issue of colorism. Mm-hmm. So that was a major issue um, in elementary school because, again, that was another, here we go again, another um, uh, cue from the media mm-hmm. of who had value in our culture. Yeah. The closer to white you were, specifically for girls at that time, well, actually boys too. Actually, there was a there was a boy with light skinned guys with the the hottest thing. But the closer to white you were, the more value you had in the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically as a young person or even as an older person, and that was a cue from the media because when you saw the media, it's like all oh, the leading ladies that even in a lot of a lot of uh, black films had a lighter complexion. Yeah. So as a girl who was darker brown, it was like. I was I was the odd woman out, or I wasn't the the desired color because mm-hmm. the so that was like an, where that wasn't an issue with, around all white folk, even though I was still younger. Yeah. Now the issue then I guess was more about my parents' survival in white uh, suburbia, and mm-hmm. and um, but but it, I can't really pinpoint how that color affected me at that time. But then when I had to survive in the inner city of North Philadelphia, it began to, that, that began to affect me. Um, you know, uh, at that time, again, it was about the, the king, the, the kings in our youth were the drug dealers. Yeah. Right. So these were the guys that people respected mm-hmm. and all their girlfriends were light. So like, mm-hmm. you see what I mean? And then you get yeah, into like, yeah, yeah. who's the, so, so these are the type of like survival skills and like, or, or survival um, uh, understandings that mm-hmm. kind of affected my mentality. Like, okay, so what does this mean for me? And how do I get attention? And like, you know, all these different things that are happening. And again, again, the cue is coming from the media as well. So, and then I would see, so you got that aspect, you got colorism, you got black men or black boys aspiring to be the, the drug dealers with the BMWs and allowed car systems, you know what I mean? And you got the girls who want to be the girlfriends, but they don't want to be the drug dealers, they want to be the rap stars. So it's like, you know, all of these different, all the older basketball players, like, mm-hmm. you know, all these different ways to kind of quote unquote get out the hood. Yeah. And then for young women, um, what was happening for us, it was like, you know, don't get pregnant <laughs> because yeah. there was a lot of teen yeah. pregnancy going on or don't get on drugs or don't get caught up being in an abusive relationship with like, is, I mean, there's so many different things to kind of like navigate. I don't know if you've seen that meme going around where they talk about, um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh white supremacy, right? The white mm-hmm. supremacy meme where there's the white guy on the one side and his road is clear. And mm-hmm. then it's the, then it was the, the, the other side where, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? The same yeah. meme I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And the other side is the black guy. His woke got like, you know, spikes and like mm-hmm. barbed wires. And like, so it, it was really literally that kind of playing field. Like, yeah. how do you navigate the hood without getting caught up? You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. And so that was really some of the challenges that I faced as a young black girl growing up in a crack epidemic. Um, uh, yeah, in the eighties. Yeah. So, so how, that was some of the things that. So how how did you? Um, I mean, I, I think that's a gutsy thing to come out of college and put together a program by which um, women can now uh, uh, be able to express themselves and talk about uh, personal mm-hmm. growth. Um, mm-hmm. How talk to me first, Lacey, about some of the things that you had to go through in order to become. Uh, to focus more on your self-love. What happened to cause you to um, to think less than about this aspect of loving the self? 
that caused you to go on that journey. Right. So piggybacking off of what I was just saying about the colorism piece and who was valuable and who got value and what made sense in the inner city. Uh, to me, it was like there was a, a order, you know, a, a order, a cast order. So if yeah. you were a darker skinned black girl, then your value went down. If you were a lighter skinned black girl, then your, your value went up. And so um, it caused me to not like myself. It mm-hmm. caused me to get on my knees and pray to look like someone else. Mm-hmm. It caused me to, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, not like myself and then I, and not in turn, and in turn, not like myself having a conflict with others. And we talked about this before we started the, co- the call. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't like me. So I had conflict with others because I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable about what I was bringing to the table because of what, again, they told me where I fit. You fit here. Mm-hmm. As you know, this young, this black girl, you fit here. And so I think, um, what shifted for me was me beginning to, um, understand and attract cultural context. So I began to read, um, I had a sister, a sister, she was, uh, I called her my older sister, but I don't have any sisters, um, um, who, um, began to, uh, shed light on history yeah. and yeah. talk about, you know, uh, l- looking at women, black women and black women's contribution to the world, not just the United States, mm-hmm. but to the world and the value of black women. I started to listening to various media sources, uh, music, watching films, et cetera, that were empowering for women and black women. And then my self-hate shifted to self-love because when I didn't like the texture of my hair, yeah. Because it wasn't straight, long, or curly, <laughs> um, I recognized that the original woman on the hu- on the planet, the first human being on the planet, looked like me. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I was first, then I realized, oh, at that point, <laughs> all the things they were telling me about my inferiority, all the things that I had absorbed about my inferiority, quote unquote, all the things I understood about not being enough, went out the door. It said, I said, oh man, <laughs> like, oh, they were lying to me all this time. Yeah. And I believed them. And so now when I realized that that was a lie, when I realized that my value and worth, you know, is from a legacy of greatness, then I shifted. Yeah, I think what it is, and I call it the programming, uh, where they program us so much that the, they create a condition response, meaning yes. that you are responding to things based from this condition that you're constantly getting and it creates this less than as to who you are. But once you begin to uh, investigate that information that they are uh, programming you with, that thesis begins to fall apart. Um, Absolutely. And people need, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I tell mm, people, you it. need to go and get some information Thanks. about who you are because the collective, and I, I use this um, analogy, Lacey, that normal is the fence, the invisible fence by which they contain us in. Mm. And so that you and I uh, don't want to step out of that fence because we are afraid to not being normal based upon the programming that they have programmed us to believe that is normal. And so because we are accepting this, and when we come close to that fence, 
where we have to make a decision, you know, let me put my foot over this fence and just jump over the fence. What they have created is a a fearful response when we come close to that fence. And so most of us will die never crossing that fence because we are afraid to... to express the trueness of who we are as an individual. But Ashe. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to go on the journey to learn who you are as an entity that is more powerful than anything that they can ever say to you. Because yes. I, I tell people that no one in society, even in some of the religion base the religious based entities don't want you to become who you truly are and that is absolute power because you and i have the ability to create by way we speak and the thought patterns that we now have to replace that yes. they have been programming to us this stuff is hard work because mm. we have been programmed for a long time and so by the time you start your journey of mm-hmm. self-love, you have to unpack a lot of uh, derogatory stuff. stuff that has yes. been deposited to you from the, tile, yes. the time that you've been born until mm-hmm. the time that of what I call the, the time of your awakening. And so mm-hmm. you and I have to go and study. And uh, we saw that uh, I know Spike Lee tried to address that particular uh, situation within our people about the color, the lightness mm-hmm. of colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you um, when you study the history of the human experience, mm-hmm. you can you can't make you can't make any you could make uh, any other race out of black, but you can't do it out of white. It's That's just right. a proven case, and they know this, but That's they right. cannot allow you and I to have access to that information. So they cut that information off in the school system so you're knowing you're never going to get it in there so you right. have to get it from the outside and that is why right. I'm so glad that you have your university to uh, speak to that matter where they're not going to and you're trying to prepare them before they can step into that uh, mass right. production uh, right. uh, line that they have uh, right. to produce these women so I'm, I'm glad that you were you're awake enough to create the space to teach these young girls about who they are. I say, thank you. I received that. You know, and you on. I'm so glad about that because that is, thank you. When you're in that space, uh, um, Lacey, you, with the less than you started, um, people can then come and tell you and That's make right. you into their image and not you right. making you into your image. And so, Talk to me about some of that. And and I think also, too, it creates friction because you have friction inside. Mm-hmm. So you have friction outside. Yeah. So you have friction. So, you know, it just it just goes to so many, it's so many layers to mm-hmm. how that distracts you from your greatness and your wholeness mm-hmm. because you haven't learned how to integrate the great aspects of who you are because what's your what what's your inner inner core uh innocence is competing with is the dominant machine mm-hmm. of messages yes. that are bombarding you on a daily basis uh at at every 
turn, specifically now. I mean, it's even worse now with social media. <laughs> but but back then, it was at every turn, every opportunity that you can consume, there was a there's this uh, re-definition, uh, what do you call it, the um, affirmation yeah. the, the, and confirmation of your inferiority when you looked outside in the world. Yeah, we see that um, um, the usage of the social media is causing young kids to 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 commit suicide. There's a high rate amongst the young girls amongst that because they're yes. looking at the data yes. from the outside and looking at the data that is within themselves. And there's a short-circuitness in there because they believe the outside data more so than the inside data. And then yes. they, they shortchange their life by... Because uh, the outside you know, data is... The outside data is relentless. strategically relentless, but strategically mm-hmm. designed yes. to be impactful. Yeah, and it's successful. Yes, very successful. Well, yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's why I'm excited about what you do, and we'll get to, the, to to that aspect of it because I believe you have to go inside to create this um, uh, the journey of you to fall in love with you to mm-hmm. do you. And I mm. love the fact that when, because I had to go on that journey as yes. an individual, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to learn to love myself because all the other things was telling me also that I was less than. And then yes. when I, I, I got to a point, uh, uh, Lacey, where I used to walk around and kiss my hand because I even started mm. falling in love, love with my yeah. color. I love my color. I just love everything. I would look at my color and go, my God, that is so beautiful. And yes. um, I would say it to people and I would be kissing my hands and I took myself on dates and all these type of things to get intimate with myself. Mm. And I mm-hmm. think people are afraid to have intimacy with themselves. Mm-hmm. They seek it mm-hmm. every other place. They seek it from from relationships, all types of mm-hmm. relationships. They seek mm-hmm. it from from the phone in in social media. They seek it from TV. They seek it from everything except themselves and until you visit the place by which you can visit yourself and and be intimate with yourself you're losing out so i want you to talk to me Lacey, about some of those intimate times that you had with yourself because i had to quiet myself and i found it for me it was meditation i meditation was the time that i had an opportunity to unhook from the programming of others and began mm-hmm. to look into the programming and started to reprogram myself, my mind, mm-hmm. my belief, and all of those things. Talk to me, mm-hmm. Lacey, of some of those tools that you found helpful in your journey looking in. I mean, a lot of it. Well, so first was you had to you had to unplug because there's so many. There's just so much. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. So you got to take like so. I would only. I would so I would. Focus my attention on media and content that would build my self-esteem. So like mm-hmm. I was sharing with you before, yeah. you know, I would read books about, you know, ancient history and culture and legacy. Um, I would, you know, listen to people, obviously Queen Latifah, you know, at the time that was, that was popping, yeah. you know, uh, uh, people who had things to say that were uplifting. People who had things to say that offered some insight or some uh, uh, content and thought that was going to... Uh, um, edified me, you mm-hmm. know. To, so, so I had to like shift my focus on to things that were feeding me or that yeah. would feed. Me. Yeah. So that's number one. Um, number two is that once I kind of got clarity around facts and history, I was then empowered with truth. 
Mm-hmm. So that was the first, I mean, that's a, one of the major things is to be empowered with truth and being empowered with truth helped me to then walk in the world um, with a certain head held up yeah. <laughs> as opposed to head held down yeah. because now I know what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some, some other tools obviously that I, that I use um, on the self-love journey, of course, is journaling. Yeah. Um, I used to, you know, journal my, my, my thoughts and feelings, other things that I use on the self-love journey. Again, it's, it's meditation, meditation didn't come in until later on though. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hard to, <laughs> hard yeah. to like understand meditation at that, at that part of my journey when I was a teen and into my early college years. Actually, I think I embraced meditation like latter, the latter part of my college years. Yeah. But as a teen, I was starting to consume this content. And then I, you know, I, I grateful, gratefully enough, I was always able to communicate uh, clearly. And so I started to share information with my peers in high school. I would educate them on, you know, you know, some of the things because I felt like they were just so, again, consumed by this media content that they didn't know anything else but what they saw. And I'm like, hey, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and here's why it's a lie. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I started breaking down, you know, the history of facts and culture in that way. So um, I think uh, it was to focus my attention, to be clear, focus my attention on content that was empowering uh, and that actually taught me the truth about my history and culture. Uh, it was about, you know, basically, um, you know, journaling. Um, it was being around another thing, being around people who also understood their mm-hmm. history and culture and they understood their values. Um, and that's how I started to get empowered. And then from there. Um, is when I started to say, you know, I need to actually now contribute to the community because now that I have this certain sense of empowerment, like I see so many other people, specifically young women coming after me, struggling, you know, with the same friction, inner friction with yeah. themselves yeah. and the same friction with the outer world as well. Yeah. And talk to me now, um, after you, uh, you moved on from college, you'd mentioned that you, you had an opportunity to open, uh, this, uh, program. How did you come about the, the, the process of thinking about it and the actions in doing it? Great question. Great question. Um, so when I came into college, I knew that I had the power to bring people together. I was a, a leader in college. I was a founder scholar. Um, I organized a, a successful trip of New York folks to go to the Million Women March in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had, I've been, a, I was a leader in college as well. And so, mm-hmm. I knew when I got out of college that I could do some leadership, you know, back in North Philly. So I went back yeah. to North Philly when I got out. And um, so I created this. The first very, the very first thing that I did was like before it was a company. I created this event called um, the Tea Party, mm-hmm. Interview Tea Party. And basically what it was, was a monthly event that I had every, well, every month. And I would call together intergenerational black women and the focus was self-love. Mm-hmm. So intergenerational, because I really wanted... At, because I had to work with young women all I wanted to, but if they went back home to their parents who didn't love yeah. themselves yep. and went back home to their grandparents with the same mentality, it's not, everybody got to get free. Yeah. <laughs> everybody yep. mm-hmm. needs the liberation. Yeah. So let's do intergenerational. So I did this event and it was, it was, it, my whole point was to create a sanctuary. If that was the intention, that's why I called it my company to sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It was like, because I know the world is beating you up. It, be, mm-hmm. it used to beat me up before I learned who I was, right? Yeah. So I know it's beating you up. I know you're here to turn on the music and you hear the bees and the hoes and the, you know, bend over and all this stuff and shake it fast and all this kind of stuff. I know that you, you know, got all these messages that are about you just being an object. Um, and you got all these messages about you not being valuable or beautiful enough or not enough, period. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create a sanctuary that affirmed black women, intergenerational black women. And so I used to do this monthly. And so, um, we would have conversations around 
um, you know, body image. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? How obviously the black woman's body has always been a target of, you know, ridicule and, and, and interest and, uh, uh dehumanization. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would talk about, uh, mother daughter dynamics and yeah. how some of those dynamics are travel all the way back to, you know, slavery and being enslaved mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean? And father daughter dynamics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and, and we'll talk about, you know, relations. I'm mean, so the, the, the gamut of conversations that we had were so rich. Um, it was really helping young women see other women have human conversations because competition is part of that system too, right? Yeah. The competition among women, um, you know, keep them fighting. This is the thing. Keep them mm-hmm. fighting because that knocks them off their power. Right. Because mm-hmm. collective collectivity is where you actually start to move things. Right. Yeah. So um, to, to, to model human conversations, yeah. to model, you know, heart centered exchanges, to model authenticity and, mm-hmm. and not fighting and competing. And all we do is talk about men and how men dog this out and how men ain't S.H.I.T. And, you know, like, no, no, no. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about other things. So these conversations uh, were really to foster an environment, inner and outer environment of healing. Yeah. We, um, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, and I think as Black people, we need to begin to have an even more honest conversation about the trauma that we, um, trauma. That we received um, as a people and how we are going to um, teach our young people uh, expose the, the trauma, get them healed so that they can truly, truly come and a, uh, change this world. I always tell people this, you've, ne- I've never seen in, in every civilization that I've ever, uh, uh, studied and wrote about and stuff like that. Anytime you drop a black man within that, um, environment, it's, it, he never stays down. I don't care what you do. Look back into any kind of civilization and history. That black man will rise and he becomes leaders within several generations. And uh, it, because there is something different about this group, uh, but I think we ought to be able to say to ourselves, yes, we have been traumatized. Let the children know because we see the behavior from the trauma. I mean, yes, we're looking yes. at it all the time. Yes. But I think yes. we we are more reactive than proactive when we comes to this. We need to be doing this Agreed. on a massive scale in order that we can become mm-hmm. more effective. And that is why I'm so um, I'm so honored to be in your your company because. I know uh, that from talking with you, that you and the programs that you have, especially with with the young girls, is leading them and addressing these issues because you have addressed those issues within yourself. Um, So here you are, you are doing this within the community. You have put this piece together and I know you have. uh, There are some beautiful stories of transformation within that group. Uh, pull Absolutely. one out, uh, for me, Lacey, pull one out for me because we're going to keep moving because I want to talk to you about your, uh, how you came out with the, the university and, uh, how did you, uh, uh, come up with the, uh, the S's, the eight S's and all of those things. I want to know because those are fruits of your journey 
and sure. uh, pick out one of those uh, if you can recollect about that absolutely um, uh, powerful change that took place from your your being able to serve create this particular thing to serve your community Actually, thank you for asking that question. There's so many. <laughs> I'm grateful for a lot, a lot of them. But one, but one, no, I'm grateful because, you know, it's just like when I did it, let me just say this and I'm going to give you the, the thing. When I did it, I, it wasn't like this. It just, it just, it was in alignment with my spirit to do. Yeah. Like I got to, this is what I have to do. And I wanted the positive outcome, but it was just like, you got to just create a space to get them in because there's so much chaos. Get them yeah. in from the chaos. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So to answer your question, <laughs> I had a young sister. She was about at the time, because I this is done over a period of two years. So I was just monthly. And then after that, I wrote a book. Da, da, da. So mm-hmm. a lot of things came out of that experience. But um had a sister who she was faithful. She used to come every every month. Mm-hmm. And because uh, you had the option to come, whether or not you know, whenever you yeah. want to come, but she used to come every month. And um, the thing about the experience is that they were they would sit at tables with different women. So this is another thing about the experience yeah, is that it was di- uh, it it was different. It was diverse black women. So not, when I say diverse, I mean so a Muslim or yeah. a sister with a wig or a sister yeah. with locks or yeah. a woman with yeah. you know um, you know uh, money. Mm-hmm. class, upper middle class, a woman from the inner city. So it's like you had all these different types of black women in this one space. Um, and usually, you know, people hang out in their class. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But the thing that made this rich was that it crossed classes, it crossed colors, yeah. it crossed, you know, ages, it crossed those rich. So one of the young women in it, uh, came and she used to come every single week, every single month. And, um, you know, she didn't have a father in her life. And so many young women don't. Um, in, in, in America, unfortunately. Um, and she was obviously in the dating experience and her whole thing was that she, uh, got married mm-hmm. after about, I would say six months after we stopped. And she sent me a testimonial. She sent me a testimonial and her testimonial is that, you know, she found a guy that she's getting married mm-hmm. to and that, you know, he loves his mother. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. He loves his mother. You know what I mean? Because it's like she was getting wisdom from all these different women in the space. Yeah. And from that wisdom, she was able to glean one, how to be healthier within herself, as we talked about being the first step, but two, getting wisdom from the community, but also now having value within herself, knowing how to choose men who yeah. value other women. Yeah. And so in that, her union was about, you know, um, edifying her already positive, powerful journey of valuing herself and thus bringing someone on board who can reflect that back to her. That's absolutely so that a, a powerful story because um, uh, you don't know the effect, the ripple effect that uh, from her, this one individual, exactly right. what exactly it right. will do, number one, right. to... Her, her offspring, her offspring, <laughs> and all of those her things. Peers. So that is awesome. Yes, uh, and I'm the sure. people that is around her, because I'm sure she's going to speak. And as she yeah, begins sure. to speak, sure. her her truth of what she has learned that it will be uh, that seed would be planted in many lives, and that's the outcome. So here you are from this um, uh, was given birth. You mentioned the book and so forth. I wanted to talk to you, Lacey, now about we're bringing you up to today. How did you come about with the university? And how did that thought come into you, number one? And number two, what were the steps that you took to bring it up? Great question. Thank you for asking this. Um, so my whole thing 
you know, again, since I got out of school, was about how media affects our community, how media affects people, how media affects women, black women, women, mm. et cetera. And so I had been, you know, creating kind of counteractive <laughs> or, yeah. you know, which is a, uh, content on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Saying, okay, well, yeah, they got this, but I got that. Even though I was just <laughs> one person, like, you know, I, I got something else that people could actually <laughs> engage in as well. Yeah. And so one of the things that uh, I created um, was this summit mm-hmm. called Phenomenally You. It was a summit yeah. first. And it was three candid conversations about sex, self-respect, and success in the reality TV era. Mm-hmm. So because before the reality TV era conversation, I was talking about hip hop and how how yeah. how influential hip hop was on the inner city community and how we followed like, you know, followed like... Uh, devoted followers, you know, yeah. to hip hop or whatever hip hop did, we were all in from the inner city perspective. And now this new concept at the time um, was coming about, which is called reality TV. Yeah. And to me, when I saw that again, studying me, I'm like, this Ooh. is crazy. Yeah, crazy stuff, man. It's insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was pervasive everywhere now, but that's another story. Here's the yeah. point. That was in 2012. So I created this summit and I got a celebrity summit. And I got celebrities together and I said, you know, let's talk about these three things in this era because when you see these images on television, what we're finding is that sex is, you know, you can get a sex tape and now get visibility. And then, you know what I mean? You're on and popping. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-respect is like, I will do anything now to get ratings. I'll fight, mm-hmm. I'll pull weaves, I'll stab, I'll throw drinks to people's <laughs> places, I'll, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, um, so, and then success, what does that mean? So if, if it doesn't have to have a certain kind of container and I could just get quote unquote success by throwing a drink in the face and going viral. What does that mean for our culture? And so this is what the conversation was about. And so um, those are the three tools that we were actually pondering for an audience of mothers and daughters mm-hmm. again in a generational experience. And so we were talking about that in this big space uh, at the Philadelphia library on the Vine street. Those who know that, who know that it is big, yeah. uh, uh, Bill Clinton, Obama, anybody you can think about it. This is the space they were, uh, that's how big the space was. That's what they, um, we had the event. So, um, and so that was the first three tools that came out of phenomenal you. I want to give the community tools and that's how do we ponder this concept in this context. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I realized that there are more tools that are needed. Like, so I'll give you three self-respect, sex, sex and success. Mm-hmm. But then what else do young women need to then navigate their world? Mm-hmm. So I came up with other S's. So mm-hmm. now there are eight S's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the eight S's serves as a blueprint. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now for Phenomenally You, um, a blueprint for the transition from high school to college. And people say, well, why did you focus on, you know, the college market or the, the transition from the high school to the college market? Because I say these are young women who um, will be noted as the next leaders, mm-hmm. um, um, even though you can be a leader without going to college, of course, but yeah. they will be noted and they can, you know, I mean, if you're talking about leadership position, you're talking about, you know, usually they go through a college track and a college mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have an influence on leaders who are going to come out in the world and actually make an impact. Mm-hmm. And so this is why. I'm, so 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 to answer your point, phenomenally, you in the university was born out of the uh, three S's at the phenomenally summit that addressed the issue of the context of media 
uh, specifically reality T being a, reality TV being a pervasive uh, uh, entity at that or at this moment, that moment, um, and how people can use tools to navigate the chaos that they were consumed. Yeah, I, I look at America. It's really interesting. Um, I believe, and I told my my son this uh, because he and I used to have a lot of conversation about uh, America and the, the movements that are created within America. And I told them before uh, Barack Obama was um, president, I told them that hip hop would create the next president. He would come out of that in the sense that the programming of hip hop cross reference went straight into the white kids. And when I saw that, I told them, I said, mm-hmm. that will, a black president will be elected because it is crossover. And every, all the musician, all the music that they, the white kids had ever seen and grew up with are all black musicians singing mm-hmm. and they're doing all of that. So when a black quote unquote person stood in front of them saying that he wanted to become president, they had no problem with it. So they were mm-hmm. okay. That's why we see when, um, so when the reality space came in, I told mm-hmm. my kids, reality TV will, will, will elect the next president. And mm-hmm. we saw the result of that because mm. um this Trump. is just how yeah he is a reality tv president tv so, star absolutely yeah and so the next movement we haven't we haven't defined ourselves yet because we're still in shock from the other um, <laughs> from the other um, what happened to us and i think what we're going to witness now because of this uh reality um onslaught upon the uh, population I think we're going to experience now a dismantling of many of the core system that we have. And we see it happening um, because the men and women are recognizing that there's this generation of people that is of color that is growing bigger than the other population that is in, in control at this point. And they don't want that. That is what we are seeing within the political arena, that they're trying to dismantle the voting rights and all of these different things that will empower those of color. And I told them, I would tell them people, you know, and I believe this from the core of my heart, that America would have been, quote unquote, a fascist country a long time ago had the, um, uh, uh, had not that piece of paper existed that told a black person or a person of color that they can have certain things. And we believe that more than they do. And because we believe it more than they do, we fight for the right to have the piece of the pie as what we read in that piece of paper. If that thing was not there, it would have been already a, that uh, a political system. But I still believe there's a dismantling happening within that group. And we, we'll we see my thesis as, as, as like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here you are. I mean, I think what you have created and what have been birthed from your journey is what I've been talking about. And, you know, the trauma uh, and because when you deal and you, um, educate these girls coming from the high school, because that's where they deal with a lot of, the trauma and all the different things. And when you um, get into that space and unhook them, they will be a force to be reckoned with when they go into that arena of higher learning, per se, because right. now they're coming right. in 
Number one, they know who they are. They know their purpose. They're coming there for a specific reason to gain access to information that will propel them to the next level in their life professionally. And those women will change the world. Why? Because Mm -hmm. those women Mm -hmm. have kids and they're going Mm -hmm. to implant that information in their children. And you are creating a wonderful ripple effect that I think will manifest a, um, you know, it will manifest, Lacey. Mm -hmm. And I am, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, I've been saying this over and over again that I'm in in the presence of greatness and I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, what you are doing. So, uh, Lacey, I want to thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. This has been really a powerful conversation. As I mentioned yes. to you, um, I am, uh, so I'm standing in the, in the presence of greatness. My listeners that are listening, I, uh, want to tell you guys, go grab her books, get all of her information, learn how you can put your daughters and, and into all of these programs so that they can change the world, so they can know who they are, unplug right. from the programming of the of the society as a whole, and get into, as uh, Lacey put it, on the other side of the fence so that they mm-hmm. can break that normal uh, barrier and mm-hmm. become, as box. I said, mm-hmm. become effective and change this world. So I want to thank you so much, Lacey, right. for coming, man. This has been good, good, good. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I just want to say that I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Lacey C. Clark, my name, L-A-C-E-Y-C-C-L-A-R-K. And you see the explanation point after my name, another story, but Lacey C. Clark, you can follow me there. You can find out more information about uh, the programs and things that I have available on my Instagram. Excellent. And we will also provide that information. Uh, thank again, you. I want to thank, you so, thank much, you so much for coming. I appreciate it. It's been a great, great conversation. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trial to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, Invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.